You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Welcome to the Locked On Hornets podcast. I'm Walker Mail alongside Nada Edwards and Doug Branson. We have the radio voice of the Hornets, Chris Kroger, joining us today to discuss training camp and how he's feeling heading into the first broadcast on Friday, 7.30. Boston Celtics, got them coming up Friday. Glad to finally see some organized basketball take place and get a product on the court for the Charlotte Hornets. Find the show, find the hosts, all of us here on most social media platforms. I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail, Nada at Nada the Scribe, and Doug at Doug Branson LOH. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and the links and the handles are all over the show notes as well once you can click on this and listen to it. You're not on Instagram, are you? I'm not on Instagram. I'm not on the IG, not with the gram. Why not? Because it's all about pictures, right? Like, Instagram is all about uploading pictures, and I just ain't about that. Food pictures. That's all I do. I don't take self, I don't take that many selfies. Well, I don't, I don't want to take selfies. I'm not going to say, oh, my God, this food looks delicious, and then let me share this picture with everybody else in the world. Come on. It, I just, it's, it's the all best pictures. way to humble brag. You nah. should share your food layering experiences with everyone. Uh, again, Wait, no, 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 no. That's you. While we're on the subject of food takes and food just period, we've talked about your food take, which got a lot of hate yesterday, yeah. which it probably should have. The Sour Patch Kids mixed with popcorn. That was a, a little strange. But also today on the wake Just up call, that was certainly strange. Um, Bobby Brzezinski said he doesn't like chocolate milk. Both of us. I, I know that's probably a little bit. I would imagine that are you a chocolate milk fan, Nada? Surprisingly, yes. Because I'm I can a chocolate see, malt, malted milk fan. So because you like, often like try to show your maturity in these food takes that we have, and I didn't know if chocolate milk would be beneath you. But I don't know anybody that doesn't like chocolate milk. And also Molly today said that she prefers Dunkin' Donuts over Krispy Kreme, which was the most shocking food take I've ever heard in my entire life. I don't like life. that. Yeah, I don't think anybody does. Now, again, I will say this. For mass-produced donuts... Krispy Kreme is great. If you go to those regular donut shops, that those nice little local donut shops. Oh, they're fantastic. Oh, they're, they're so much better. Well, I, well, I don't know if I'm going to say so much no, better. No, they are. Krispy Kreme, they are. Krispy Kreme is still good. I'm not going to clown on them. But I think all of it is you know, the, the Sour Patch Kids with the popcorn. Listen, I can't help it if you guys are not brave enough to jump on top of my food tank. Brave or crazy? Reverse psychology? No, I hear you. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to try it. You're right. I'm not going to I'm not going to try that at all. So we'll, let's get into training camp. No more food takes. Who knows what we're going to get into if we keep on getting into the food takes here. Borrego talked with a couple of reporters up there at training camp at Chapel Hill, and he's still mum on any details about his rotation beyond Kemba Walker. He said that at the luncheon, Rick Bennell reported on it, asked him the question, said, you know, is there any other idea that you have about who's going to be in the starting rotation? He did say he's got an idea now, but it's taken a while. At that luncheon a couple weeks ago, he did say that every single other starting job is open right now. If it's not Kimba Walker, then that starting job is open. And he did give some hints about how rookie Miles Bridges will be used. Here's Borrego on some of the lineup uh, possibilities that he could be implementing. He's leaning more, leaning more three right now with our roster and our rotation. It's tricky. You don't want, you know, I don't want to put Miles in a position where he's trying to learn two or three different positions. That could limit his growth right now. So I want to be pretty specific with where we're going to play him, how we're going to play him, and then let him teach us if he's got some more versatility to grow into. And so Miles Bridges talking about 
I guess he's talking about Miles Bridges, and does he have more versatility to grow into? Kind of understood at the beginning of all of this that this was going to be somebody that could contribute all across the board right away, and here he is saying leaning more towards a three. Quite frankly, I came in, I think he's more of a four. Just looking at his body type, the way that he fits in today's NBA, I view him as more of a four, but Borrego views him more as a three, and he's kind of leaning just honing in on that specific position. Not necessarily going across the board because they want him to grow into his versatility. Are you surprised by that, Doug? I'm a little surprised because I felt like that was the biggest selling point on drafting Miles Bridges is experience and versatility. And and to hear that they are a little on the fence about where that versatility is going to come from, my question would be, what would open their eyes to his versatility more his ability to consistently shoot three-pointers or his ability to defend multiple positions? Like, which one of those things is more important? I would honestly say the floor spacing because we, again, this team doesn't have that many floor spacers on the floor at the current moment. The other thing that kind of surprised me about it, because I know we talked during the summer that this team is much more, uh, he's more of a four during the summer than he was a three. I don't think he's going to be that effective. I worry about his foot speed when it comes to defending and I don't want to say you're putting him in a position to fail, but it reminds me a lot of when Marvin Williams was first drafted. Everyone thought he was a three. He was kind of ineffective. Then small ball fours became became in vogue, and he started exploding. Well, and, and keeping guys in front of him on the perimeter is the problem I think we all yeah. have, and that was a problem at Summer League. It was something you noticed right away. It was something that I noticed at Michigan State, just kind of watching him play basketball on the defensive end. There was this, look, the guy's athletic. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I think when people talk about athleticism, they often just hone in on the jumping ability. And I feel like that's kind of what's happened here with Miles Bridges. I'm not going to say that he can't get up and down the floor, but I don't think he's the fastest guy out there compared to everybody else. The lateral foot speed is a little bit lacking right there. It is. And that's something where you see the lateral foot speed, somebody that's just not able to stay in front of guys, at least on the perimeter. But you see him jump out of the gym and, oh, he's, he's the most athletic guy in the world. No, crazy hops, no doubt about it. But when you throw that word out there, when you throw, man, he's athletic as hell, yeah, no doubt, but is it just the jumping ability? What other aspects are there? He's he's a strong dude, no doubt as well. There are other things, don't get me wrong, but it seems to be the jumping ability that has everybody wowed. I mean, listen, if you you jump out of the gym, that's a problem. Uh, You got to stay in the gym, play (laughs) basketball. Yeah. So to me, that's an issue right off the bat. The other thing is with... Him being a three, now we've already heard Nick Batum say that he feels more comfortable at at the three than at the two. So we we don't know a lot about this rotation yet because Borrego is is holding all of his cards close to the chest minus Kimba at this point. But if if MKG is moved to the bench to play a hybrid three four role, does that put Miles Bridges pretty deep into this rotation? I think that's a big question heading in. There's a there's a ton of questions regarding this lineup now, especially with that, right? Like, especially that they're leaning more towards three. And again, even the space across the three from the five, it's all interesting. But we've talked about MKG. Where does his role fit exactly? Is Miles Bridges an immediate contributor? What about Marvin Williams? Does Frank Kaminsky play the four or more the five? Oh, and we've got a couple of other fives that Frank Kaminsky is going to be battling for for time. And who knows what's going to happen here? And you put Nick Batum in the mix. It seems like the most refined battle right now where it's just two guys going at it for one spot. It's like Jeremy Lamb and Malik Monk. Yeah. And I think that's the one. 
you go across the three, the four, the five, you're picking any kind of permutation to put out there on the court. And who knows what it's going to be. The one question I do have is if Borrego's putting an emphasis on defense, doesn't that kind of eliminate Frank at the four? Like, that's where I'm at now. Because if now you're eliminating Miles Bridges, then who's your four? Is it going to be primarily MKG? And that'll answer that question. Then who's the three? Is it Bacon or or Bridges? And at this point, you kind of have to give the advantage to Bacon. Well, and you start to put it all together. I, I think we would all be pretty damn surprised if Nick Batum was not a starter at the three. Yeah. Because maybe there's some some small ball lineups where he lines up at the four. But Nick Batum, I would imagine, I would put a lot of money that Nick Batum is your starting three. So then you have, okay, is Marvin Williams a guy that, like Steve Clifford, loved? Does James Borrego love Marvin Williams or like him enough to have him continue to be the starter over Miles Bridges? And then even then, so even just having the refined spot of it's Malik Monk and Jeremy Lamb, those guys are battling for the two. Now you're talking about Nick Batum, I feel like we all are pretty comfortable. Yeah, with you can put three. him in sharpie. So then, and then it's you know four or five. I are are you messing with Frank at the five to I'm stretch putting, the floor? Because you talked about floor spacing. Are, are you putting you know, Cody Zeller to me is the best center you have on this team? I know you're high on Billy Hernan Gomez contributing. I, I think the four and five spot are going to be the most interesting to see how that plays. Honestly, out. I don't think the four is that interesting. I think it's Marvin because defense is such a big thing. Defense and floor spacing. The battles are two and five. That's where those battles are to me. I, I'm just I'm interested in what kind again, what just what kind of grouping can be out there. I, I think there's a lot to ask about this lineup. So we'll take a quick break. We'll come back with more. Chris Kroger is going to be on with us on the guest line. Maybe he's got some answers. Yeah, maybe he does. Charlotte Hornets play-by-play announcer and also host of the podcast Courtside Seats. You can find that on Apple Podcast and Hornets.com. We'll uh, stick around with us and we'll have him up after the break. Walker Mail, not Edwards, Doug Branson. You're listening to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. Charlotte, How strong is an ox? Are we? I think we're overrating the ox. Uh, we are I, not overrating I, the I ox. Need to see, I need mm. to see some medicals on the ox. Yeah, why don't you do the research on that? You put your lab glasses on. You take a look at it. You can I wonder if there's mind. anything on the internet. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Welcome back to the Locked on Hornets podcast, and we'll head over to the guest line now with the new Charlotte Hornets play-by-play announcer Chris Kroger joins us on the guest line. Chris, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? I'm doing. I'm doing great. We're getting ready for uh, what what seems like has been a long, long time in the making. It'll be our first preseason game, and I know exhibitions maybe aren't the uh, the sexiest things, but uh, new GM, new coaching staff, some new draft picks, and uh, a new radio guy too. I guess so. Yeah, let's, <laughs> right. Let's get this thing started. And that's what I wanted to talk about uh, with you first. October seventeenth going to be the first official regular season game you call, Chris. But you do have one. Coming up tomorrow against the Boston Celtics, the preseason game. And now if you want to listen to this game, this is the only way you're going to be able to catch it is from Chris. This is the radio broadcast, and you can also catch it on the Hornets app. So again, tomorrow against the Boston Celtics. Are you growing more and more anxious or relaxed as this game approaches? Uh, I'm, you know what? It's funny. I'm not nervous about, I think, what I need to do. Um, and it's not to say I don't want to do a good job or I'm that confident in my abilities, but I'm more nervous about all the other things around the broadcast. Is are all the elements going to going to play correctly? Are we buttoned up? Are we ready to go? How's everything going to sound? Is our is our whole radio crew ready to go? So I'm, I'm more meticulous, trying to make sure we're super buttoned up and everything's going to be ready to ready to go for our, for our broadcast overall. And I think once that once that first open fires around 7:30 uh, tomorrow night, I think my 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 nerves will kick in a little bit because then it's go time. But uh, I'm ready. You know, I think it's going to be 
somewhat seamless, as much as you could say that, because I've got Matt Carroll with me, and Matt's been on the broadcast for Steve the last two years, James Hamlin in the studio, and I've been on the broadcast too, and I, you know, I've been around this team, so it's not going to be too jarring, but yeah. I'm I'm oddly comfortable right now. We'll see how that stands in about 24 hours. No, that's a good thing. That's a good. Any difference between a preseason game and the first official regular season game coming up later? No, I mean I just think for uh, for obvious reasons, you know, that opener on October 17th against the Bucks will be a little different because it's a classic night. It, we're gonna have our throwback court down. We're gonna be wearing our white pinstripe uniforms, and it's the opening of our 30th anniversary season. So that'll be a little bit more half. And of course, it'll be the first one that counts but like i said i mean i think our coaching staff our players recognize these, this preseason counts different for us than it does maybe for some other teams in the nba a team like golden state for example where for them not to say they're going through the motions they're more fine-tuning for us the only guaranteed starter heading into the opener according to head coach borrego has been Kemba walker and so all these spots are up for grabs rotations are up for grabs positions and roles are up for grabs and so I think when you when you talk about a preseason game, this one matters different to us because I think there are so many opportunities for guys to try and latch onto. And practice is a big part of it. Training camp's been a big part all week, but these games, the next five games, are going to go a long way to determine what this team's going to look like in that opener on October seventeenth. Well, I'm sure I can speak for us all, but we can't wait to tune in and listen live. And we do have training camp until then. You and the Charlotte Hornets are up in Chapel Hill for a few days, play the Celtics, like I said, tomorrow night. Tough to see what's going on, I know, too much in practice, but what are you looking for the most once the Celtic games rolls around tomorrow night? I I just want to see who who really starts to, you know, grasp what Coach Borrego's asking this team to do. You know, I think offensively, because of the way the NBA rules are during the offseason in terms of workouts, Offense is what gets worked on. You can't really work on defense. Uh, now they've been installing defense, and this team is going to switch a lot more defensively. And as many of your listeners know, you know, you're really, there are kind of two defenses out there in the NBA. Are you a switching defense or are you a help defense? In the past, they've been more of a help defense predominantly under, under former head coach Steve Clifford, where, you know, you're always trying to get, get guys to help one another. It is what it sounds like. Or, now a lot of teams in the NBA, because of the positional versatility, you're switching. When, when guys set a screen and rolls, you're going with your, you're going to the man you're picking up at that point. And so this team won't exclusively switch 100% of the time, but they're going to switch a lot. And so I want to see this team start to grasp those concepts. Some of the calls are different than what they've been in years past. And so a call under Steve Clifford's system might be a different call under James Borrego. Who, who's, who's grasping that part of the game? And so... That, that's going to be really interesting to watch how that takes shape in the preseason. Yeah, and Chris, so much discussion on the pace of play this season, particularly on the offensive end, at least more so about the pace. How different do you expect this offense to look this season? I think it's going to look different, and if only, you know, pace is going to be a, a big part of it, but it, it, truthfully, this team was ninth in pace a year ago. They're one of the top ten teams in pace, which maybe is a little deceiving. I think where things got bogged down, quite honestly, we're in the half court, so this team at times would get out and run in transition, but there weren't scoring in transition. They would get up and down the floor in a hurry. They were getting decent amount of, of opportunities, but some of that is dictated by misses when you're not shooting the ball well, especially at the rim, and you're giving up defensive rebounds. The other team's getting out the other way. So pace is dictated by a lot of things, and, and it's not always necessarily just an indicator of how, how high scoring you are. I think by getting guys out of the lane, you know, this team is going to play a lot if not almost exclusively, five out on offense to where you can have those passing lanes. You can have those driving lanes to drive and kick, 
to run that screen and roll game to get Kemba to the basket. Uh, I think it's going to be really fascinating to watch what this offense looks like in the half court because I think when you think of pace, maybe you think of run and gun, Phoenix Sun six seconds or less. I don't think it's going to look like that. I think there are opportunities in transition, but they want this team to be decisive and quick with their decision-making in the half court and share the basketball. I think that's probably going to be the biggest differentiation from where it's been in the past. Chris Kroger on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You can also catch him on his own podcast, Courtside Seats on Hornets.com or Apple Podcasts. And Chris, just a couple more questions. Hornets Media Day was hosted at Spectrum Center on Monday. Was there something on Monday you found most intriguing? I just think the idea of Kemba Walker, you know, there's been a lot of talk of what's Kemba going to do. I, I thought Kemba handled himself as he always has. I mean, he's, I put him on the short list of ultimate pros in the NBA. And for what he said the other day, basically, guys, I'm going to step to the podium. I know there are questions that are, that are going to be asked about me about what my future holds. I'm telling you right now, I'll answer this for this group one time, and then we're moving mm-hmm. on. But Kemba, in his own words, says he's energized. He's excited just being around him the last few days. I mean, he's always just in a bubbly mood, but he's just been wearing a smile from ear to ear, and I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think this new coaching staff, I think he's really comfortable with them. I know that was a question mark. I think he's really happy and excited about the pieces around him and how this team's going to play. But even little things like this team, for example, is, is practicing a lot with music being played, There's, and that might sound like a small thing, but I think some players went to the coaching staff and said, you know, what what could we do to maybe connect with you guys better? And, and little things like music. You know, the Warriors are always practicing with music at their practices, which are almost glorified shoot-arounds, according to a lot of reports. The Hornets are working hard. They're practicing hard. But now they got some music playing to keep the energy level high. Uh, Jay Hernandez, who is Kemba's skill coach coming out of college, is now a developmental coach and assistant coach on his coaching staff. And I think having Jay back, they've got such a tight relationship to be around him every day goes a long way. Tony Parker, Kemba's really excited to have Tony here. So I think that's been the most impressive and cool thing to see at a, at a media days is Kemba kind of speaking into existence, just how excited and happy he is to be a Hornet. He wants to do that for the rest of his career, and I think Hornets fans should love the sound of that. Chris, is there a guy you think thrives most with the system change under Borrego? Who, who do you think has the biggest growth from last year to this year? I don't know if I'm going to say biggest growth, but I think a guy that's going to continue his, his trajectory, Jeremy Lamb. I think Jeremy Lamb is going to continue to, to look like a stellar athlete. I think his shooting has come such a long way over the last couple of years, and his athleticism just jumps off the charts. You see him out on the court, and he's of a different talent level. And I think the last couple of years, he's really started to put it all together. Last year in particular, I was blown away at how he was thrown into the starting lineup when Nick was out early handled it awesome, and then went back into his role off the bench and continued to play at that level. And that, that's, that's underrated, I think. That's really hard to do for guys to buy into whatever's asked of them game to game. And I think Jeremy Lamb with the spacing, the shooting, there's going to be an emphasis on, on getting three-point shots up. I think Jeremy Lamb's going to really continue his, his rise. And Look, he's, he's in a contract here. He knows that. So I, I think it's going to be fun to watch what Jeremy can do yet again. All right, that was Hornets play-by-play announcer and courtside seats host Chris Kroger. You can catch his podcast on Hornets.com or Apple Podcasts, and you can catch him on Twitter at Kroger. Also, tune in tomorrow against the Boston Celtics. It'll be our first taste of basketball, at least seeing a product on the court from this new Charlotte Hornets regime. Should be a lot of fun, and you can tune in to Chris broadcast that once again against the Celtics tomorrow. Chris, thank you so much for hopping on with us. Have fun in Chapel Hill, and good luck on the broadcast. 
All right, Walker, I'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks so much. Once again, a big thanks to Chris Kroger. We'll take a quick break and come back with more from the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Main character for American Psycho was Patrick Bateman, which really confused me. I always thought that Jason Bateman was Patrick Bateman and that Patrick Bateman was Jason Bateman. (laughs) It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. What kind, again, we're just what kind of grouping can be out there? I, I think there's a lot to ask about this lineup. 7 uh... <laughs> Oh, that's Radio Walker coming out on the podcast. Today. What happened there? Yeah, well, it's, it's pretty simple. So, anytime that there is a lull or some dead space in radio, all right, in the, in the morning show, if you don't know how to save it or if there or if you just somebody needs to start talking oftentimes we'll start throwing out the number that you can I, I think there's a lot to ask about this lineup seven oh uh so or you can start throwing out the number you start dial you just say the number moving along on a thursday there, I, I think there's a lot to ask about this line right seven oh uh so i went to the number there i went to my safe space uh, there wasn't anybody talking i expected somebody else to talk and nobody was talking so I went to my safe space, which wait, is just wait, wait, reciting wait, wait, the wait, number. Wait, 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 hold on. You trying to put that on us? No, I was saying I was waiting. I was going to somebody else to talk, and nobody came with anything. No, right? that it was just like, time to move. That sounds a whole hell of a lot like you hey, putting you that on us. You don't need to take this personally. We You're don't putting that on, on us. We Walker. don't. You don't need to get sensitive about it. What You're happened? Too late now. Was I? I thought somebody else was going to respond. I thought somebody else was going to say something, and it didn't happen. And so, so I uh, went. <laughs> Into my safe space. Seven oh, uh, which is dialing the number. Seven oh, uh, trying to start off with a seven oh four number. Seven oh, uh, and it just didn't work out for her. Seven oh, uh, so there you go. That was the weird transition heading into the Chris Kroger interview, and I appreciate you guys playing. This is a podcast. <laughs> this is a podcast. It's not radio. It is a podcast. It's I not. wish you guys could dial in and then we could talk about stuff. I wish you guys could dial in and give me your lineup that you expect to see at the start of the season, but you can't. They can tweet us. Instead, we're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte, hosting a podcast, not a live radio show. And if you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. So, Anything interesting to you guys from the Krogery, from the Kroger interview? The, the couple of things that stood out to me was, one, right off the bat, he discussed how important this preseason is to the Charlotte Hornets. He gave that example for Golden State, right? And that not exactly that they're just honing it in or not exactly that they're just mailing it in. What's going on is they're already a fine-tuned machine, right? Well, all, they, all they need to do is just you know kind of show up. He didn't say that, but... We're going to say it for him. All they need to show up and just do a little things here and there. Yeah. And, and then, you know, they're good. The Hornets can't do that. No. The Hornets don't have enough talent. The Hornets have a lot of new changes coming into the season. And so this preseason is very important for them. And I think that was something that is absolutely true. Chris Kroger brought that that brought that point up that, you know what, this is not just any other preseason. This is something that is a little bit more important to the Hornets than a lot of other franchises out there. Right? I now. would agree. And more importantly, as you reminded everybody, Michael Jordan and the front and basically the higher ups ripped this franchise down to the studs. They didn't leave anybody left. They fired the medical staff. They fired the scouting staff. 
this is more important about setting a new tone, a new direction. And so far, they've shown that there's been a plan in every single step. And that fact that this preseason is more important for the Charlotte Hornets is something that's been a reality for this franchise for a very long time. People wonder why team chemistry is brought up so much with this franchise and with any franchise that isn't loaded with talent. And it's because that's that's one of the only ways you can win is that if all of these guys are playing on the same page. Jeremy Lamb was the other thing I think I took away from that interview. I, I asked him who was going to show the most growth from last season to this year. And I expected Malik Monk. Mm-hmm. But he gave me Jeremy Lamb, the guy Malik Monk just so happens to be competing with for a starting shooting guard spot. He said, you know, Jeremy Lamb, not exactly maybe going to endure the most growth from last season to this season, but use the word continue his trajectory, which yeah. certainly has been up pretty much his entire time with the Charlotte Hornets. Like each year you've gotten a little bit more, but there was a big jump from the year previous to last. And yeah. Jeremy Lamb gave us a lot. I and I think it's something, again, it was it was probably one of the few bright spots. It's probably the biggest bright spot, I think, for the Hornets season last year in, in a season that there was so much, I would say, disappointment. Kimbo is always a constant, but it was always is something that we knew, right? I, yeah. I went, it's a bright spot, but hell, we knew Kimbo was going to be good it coming in. It was that tiny sliver of silver lining to yeah. that dark cloud that was that season. It, right. I would probably also say because Jeremy Lamb isn't a free agent year, this is his chance to get paid. This is probably his only real chance to get paid. He's got no choice but to show that kind of growth. And Jeremy Lamb coming in here and doing exactly what James Borrego wants him to do. Borrego has talked about him quite a bit. He talked a lot about Malik Monk, but he has mentioned Jeremy Lamb quite a bit as a playmaker, as yes. somebody that they can trust putting out there on the court. And so Chris mentioning that Jeremy Lamb is a guy that he continues to really thrive in this new system with Borrego. It was a, it was a little bit of a shock to me. Not not that I'm crazy surprised, but I just didn't expect to hear that name. I thought I would hear either Malik Monk or kind of a resurrection year for Nick Batum. Those are the two names I thought I'd, I'd hear before I heard Jeremy. And when we talked about Media Day, we talked about some of these younger players that have been taking little subtle shots at the previous regi- regime or maybe their role within that regime. I think Jeremy Lamb, we haven't heard him speak, but he was a player that Steve Clifford was very hard on. It will be interesting to see if what his relationship is with Borrego and what kind of opportunities Borrego affords to Jeremy Lamb, maybe even a starting spot. I don't think we heard anything on that front from Jeremy Lamb, which I thought maybe we could. Yeah, he could. He didn't say culture or anything along that, my, that, that the lines of that. The other thing that really comes interesting, and we talk about Clifford and how he was very demanding, very hard on these younger guys. One thing I wonder about with James Borrego is, is he going to have to stitch together some egos again and make sure that these guys believe no matter what during the minutes? Again, if they get less minutes, this, that, and the third, manage those egos well enough to where they're not checking out. And by the way, the demands that were put on Jeremy Lamb, I think if you asked him, I'm not sure about this, but I think if you asked him, that those demands that were put on him by Clifford and the rest of the coaching staff benefited him. No, yeah. I, w- I would imagine. And so that was the reason, right? Like, wh- where's Jeremy Lamb on the previous regime? Is Jeremy Lamb grateful for having gone through what was very rigorous under Steve Clifford to have made him the player that he was last season? Or is he still bitter? Or is he still a little frustrated with how that went? Because he didn't get all the playing time beforehand, even though he did see a significant jump. I would agree with you. I would say that because of the jump that he made, because of where he is now, I would say, I, I would imagine as well, 
that he would all think it's worth it. Because what, what has he constantly talked about? Just as his growth as a player, he constantly talks about eating right, about just being a professional, about that cold tub that Nick Collison told him about a couple of years ago yeah. when he was with the OKC Thunder. And he talks about being a professional, and I think Steve Clifford really did have a, a lot to do with that. Once again, thanks to Chris Croker. If you want to listen to his first broadcast, you can tune in to WFNZ, 610 AM and also 102.5 FM Friday night for Hornets and Celtics action. Fox Sports Southeast will also be airing the game. Their coverage begins at 730. So again, coverage begins at 730 for Fox Sports Southeast. And additionally, Throughout the telecast, Fox Sports Southeast and the Hornets will jointly support relief efforts around Hurricane Florence. So fans will be able to contribute to the American Red American Red Cross by texting Florence to 90999. Once again, you can text Florence to 90999 to give $10 with all proceeds earmarked for hurricane victims. Fans can also purchase special Carolina Strong t-shirts, and they're awesome t-shirts. Carolina Strong t-shirts benefiting the Foundation for the Carolina Hurricane Florence Relief Fund by visiting HornetsFanshop.com. So again, HornetsFanshop.com, and you can purchase a special Carolina Strong t-shirt. And those things are awesome. You saw Ron Rivera wear one, I believe, in his press conference. You've seen a lot of really cool things coming there. One other thing, real quickly before we end today, Carolina Panthers news. Eric Reed is signed to the Carolina Panthers, a former safety in the NFL, now current safety in the NFL. Feels good to say that now, as Eric Reed does have a spot on an NFL roster. And how crazy is it that the Carolina Panthers are the team to sign him? No more Jerry Richardson in town. You have David Tepper coming in. We know that he has been an outspoken guy in politics, particularly against Donald Trump and this regime that players were chastised for protesting the national anthem, quote unquote. And now you see Eric Reed landing as David Tepper lands with the Carolina Panthers. So does Eric Reed just after three weeks. Now, Carolina does have a bye week. They'll play the Giants coming out of it in week five. But Nada, let's get your thoughts on a signing for Eric Reed that I don't know if we would see this come. I thought this guy might just be shunned and iced out of the NFL for the rest of time. It's happened. It's been, the ink has been dry for about what, a couple hours now. And I'm still in a moment of like, just being stunned. I did not see this coming. This absolutely would not have happened last year. This, this Panthers organization has basically gone politically neutral if more conservative in nature. If, if more conservative, right. <laughs> is the times, one sure. And that's been the constant. I am happy to see him here. I hope he sticks around a little bit longer. I hope they sign him to a multi-year deal, provided he plays well this season. And I think it was the only move that they could have made. And how great is it, by the way, to see Eric Reed signing it with the fist up? And then how about the Carolina well, Panthers yeah, yes. putting putting fists up on their own tweet, putting the fist emojis? I mean, what the hell? That's hilarious to me. And in a good it's way, great. right? It, it's great. It's great to see the fist up, the Carolina Panthers putting their fist up. Like, again, I put this tweet out. How about their woke level? Zero to 100 immediately after signing Eric Reed. Like, no, we've been about this life. It should have been a 100 emoji. It should have been. That's my only criticism of I, that tweet. I apologize. I could have made that tweet better. I need to have Nada run my Twitter account. Seven oh. uh <laughs> Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Locked On Hornets. Final Friday show of the week. We'll be with you tomorrow. Walker Mail, not Edwards, Doug Branson. Talk to you then. See you guys. <laughs>